Well, how many already have made some New Year's resolutions? Would you raise your hand? So often we do make these uh, resolutions. These are the things that I'm going to start doing. These are the things I'm going to stop doing. And if we don't make New Year's resolutions, oftentimes I've discovered that it's kind of a trend that we may have a word for the year or a phrase for the year. We actually did that last year here at Cottage Hill. We had a word for the year. It was the word flourish. And we began last year with about 21 days of devotions and, and prayer and fasting uh, trying to align ourselves and get ourselves in a position that we would, in fact, flourish spiritually in other areas of our life. And so it may be for you, maybe you didn't make New Year's resolutions, but maybe you have a word or maybe you have a phrase for the new year. No doubt every single one of us, whether you have a word or a phrase or you have, in fact, made some resolutions, no doubt every single one of us, there are some things about our life that we want to be different in this new year. There's some adjustments that we would like to make and some things that we want to be better at. It could be that maybe you've, you know that you wanna lose a few pounds. Uh, maybe you wanna maybe just eat better. And maybe begin exercising and maybe reading through the Bible. Whatever those things are that you want to add to your life so that you can be different, maybe better. The problem with making the decision to be different is that we oftentimes make excuses. In fact, early on in the new year, we already begin making excuses of, of why we're not doing the things that we know we need to do to be different. Making excuses. What I've kind of determined in my own life for this new year and what I've declared for our church is that all that God wants to do in us and God wants to do through us, the adjustments I feel like that God wants to make in me and through me, I've just declared for Alan, no more excuses. Even for our church, I'm praying that all that I believe that God wants to do in and through our church is that collectively we would declare no more excuses. In fact, I want to invite you to take your Bible this morning and find the book of Exodus in chapter 3. It should be fairly easy for you to find. There's the book of Genesis at the very beginning, and then next is Exodus, Exodus chapter number 3. For the next several weeks, you and I are going to study together very closely Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4, because there in those two chapters, we find a man, Moses, who again and again tried to give God some excuses. God wanted to move in Moses' life. God had a plan. God had a purpose, and Moses kept making excuses. So you and I are going to learn together. And your name may not be Moses, but you're Moses, and I'm Moses. And the God of Moses is still alive, and he's still at work. And just as the God of Moses wanted to move in Moses' life, God wants to move in your life. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And your name may not be Moses, but you're Moses, and I'm Moses.
The context of Exodus chapter three is that the Israelites are in bondage. They live in Egypt, but they are slaves. They are suffering. In fact, there was a law that all of the infant boys were to be killed. God supernaturally intervened and there was a little Israelite boy who was rescued. His name was Moses. And although he was Hebrew, although he was an Israelite, he was uh, brought up by the daughter of Pharaoh in Pharaoh's palace. But the one who actually took care of him as an infant for the first several years of his life actually happened to be his biological mother. So Moses grew up in the palace of Pharaoh. He, he had the finest of everything, the food and education. He was raised as royalty, but he knew who he was and who his people were. When Moses was about 40 years old, he witnessed one of his kinsmen being mistreated by an Egyptian. Moses took matters into his own hands and he killed the Egyptian and buried his body thinking that no one would ever know, but he was found out. So Moses had to run for his life. Moses eventually found out or wound up on the backside of nowhere. He wound up in the desert, in the wilderness. He eventually got married. He had a family, but he was working for his father-in-law as a shepherd on the backside of nowhere. And this is where we find him 40 years later. In fact, during that 40 years, we don't really read much. In fact, there's just a few verses in the Bible. But here's what we know about Moses. Moses went from the penthouse to the outhouse. He's on the backside of nowhere. But he had an incredible encounter with God. So before we read the passage, your question is, it's 2024, it's a new year. What does this have to do with me? Because you're Moses. And I'm Moses, and the God of Moses is still alive and well, and he wants to move in your life as he was moving in Moses' life. So here's what Moses knew. Moses knew, or what God knew, is that in order for God to use Moses, he needed an encounter with God. We're going to talk about that. Exodus chapter three, if you've found it in your scriptures, won't you stand with me for the reading of God's word. Exodus chapter three, beginning in verse number one. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. In other words, the fire didn't grow smaller, it remained big. The bush was not consumed. Moses said to himself, I will turn aside 
to see this great sight. If you have a pencil or a pen, you ought to underline that phrase in your Bible, I will turn aside. That's key to our study this morning. I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. It's the Hebrew word hanini. We actually see it every time God called, uh, God called out, whether it was Samuel or Isaiah or Ezekiel or Abraham or Moses, here I am. Here I am. He said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Mosquitoites, all the bites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But God said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, they will ask me, well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. And God said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this, my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Take out a pencil, take out a pen, Take out some lipstick, mascara, something you can make a marking with. I want you and I to begin this new year diving into the scripture so that whatever God has for you in this new year, whatever God wants to do in and through your life, your marriage, your relationships, your work, your family, no more excuses. Here's what we know about Moses up to this point. Moses knew about God, no doubt. No doubt, to some degree, Moses had a level of faith. And no doubt, Moses, when he was two and three and four and eight years old, when he was young, his biological mother, who was raising him, would tell him, teach him about 
God. What we know about Moses up to this point is this truth. Moses had a certain level of faith, but watch this. He had never had an encounter with God. He is now 80 years old. He has a faith. He has a belief in God, but he's never had an encounter with God. But in order for him to be what God needed him to be, in order for him to do what God needed him to do, he would need an encounter with God. What I'm saying to you this morning is that regardless of your level of faith, regardless if you are one who is exploring this thing of Christianity, or perhaps you've been a believer, you've been walking with Christ for many years, my word for you in this new year is this truth. In order for God to work in your life, in order for you to be who God needs you to be in 2024, in order for you to do what God needs you to do in 2024, you need an encounter with God. You need an encounter with God. And these weeks leading up to today, I have been praying that in this place, in these days, as you and I worship, as you and I study together, as you and I gather, that we would experience collectively and you would experience personally a fresh encounter with the living God today and in these days. So let's learn some things about encountering God. Number one, with your pencil, with your pen, when we encounter God, there is always a burning bush. When we truly experience, when we encounter the living God, there is always a burning bush. So as we come to Exodus chapter three, let's put ourselves in the shoes of Moses. And Moses has gone from the penthouse to the outhouse. He has been living for about 40 years on the backside of the desert. And no doubt he probably feels to a certain degree abandoned by God. He's not heard from God. He's not experienced God. He's not encountered God. And it could be even today. There are some of you that are on the backside of the wilderness and it's been quiet. And you wonder, have you been forgotten? So maybe this word is for you. So Moses is a shepherd for his father-in-law and just randomly on this particular day as he's doing his regular job, going through his routine, he experiences something unusual. He sees a fire. Now, that's not that unusual for in the desert, in the wilderness, sometimes there would be a random lightning strike. It wasn't that unusual to see something burning, a bush burning. But as he continues on shepherding, he noticed that the fire does not grow smaller. The fire is still large. And then as he continues to look at it, he notices that that bush itself is not being burned up. It's not being consumed. 
And the Bible says as that kind of piqued his curiosity, he says to himself, you know what? I think I will turn aside and cross over to see what this is. The reason I ask you to underline that phrase is because it's a very unusual phrase in the Hebrew. What it indicates is that there was some ravine or perhaps some valley. And what Moses needed to do is that he needed to, watch this, adjust himself in order to investigate this thing that was strange and different. He had to make an adjustment. He had to make a decision to turn aside. My word for you this morning and my, my prayer for you and I is that as God is working all around us, you see, I'm under the conviction that I believe that there are burning bushes all around us. Jesus himself said, I am always at work. My father is always at work. I want you to know this morning that around you in your life, God has some burning bushes, but we have to have spiritual eyes and we have to have spiritual ears and we have to have a heart to see it, to recognize it. And it's gonna be unusual, it's gonna be different. These burning bushes are not the routine, but that God will show up in your life in an unusual way. Uh, Tim Keller calls them paradigm busters. It's gonna be the unexpected, it's gonna be a little bit of the unusual, and when God shows up in the unusual way, you will have a decision to make. Do I just continue on my path, do I continue doing what I'm doing or will I turn aside? Will I make some adjustments to see if this is God and what God may be up to? See, I'm telling you and I know for a fact that God has some burning bushes in our church. There's some things that God is doing. God is at work. God is revealing himself. He's doing that in my life, and I trust that he's doing it in your life, but here's what you, you cannot do. You can't go through life with your head down. You can't have your head on your phones. You have to have spiritual eyes and ears. You have to be alert. You have to be aware. You have to say, God, show me where you are at work. And in that strange and unusual way, God will reveal himself and you have to decide whether or not you will turn aside. If you are a Christian and you don't want to remain stagnant, but that you in fact want to move forward, you have to have an encounter with God. A burning bush is something that challenges your perception of reality and invites you to think outside the box. We had a young lady that told me her story just a few weeks ago that she was raised Catholic. And being raised Catholic, even in her Catholic family, although they weren't necessarily practicing Catholics, but only a couple of times a year would they go to church or go to mass, but, but she had a certain level of faith. But then someone invited her to Cottage Hill Baptist Church. And she said, it's what kind of church? And they said, well, it's a Baptist church. It's not, it's not the typical Baptist, but it's Baptist. And, and she immediately thought to herself, well, aren't those the ones that handle the snakes? Aren't those the ones that kind of dance around and shout and do some unusual stuff? Isn't that the group that eats their young? Isn't that the ones? But she came. 
She didn't know exactly what to expect, but at the end of the service, she experienced in that service a burning bush. There was something unusual. There was something outside the norm, outside of her box. It kind of it kind of made her feel uncomfortable, but she had a decision to make. Do I turn aside? Do I, do I go back? Do I, or I, do I just go back to my normal routine of life? But fortunately, she made the decision to come back. Then she made the decision to buy a Bible. Then she made the decisions to be a part of a, a small group and begin to grow in her faith. And because of that burning bush experience, and she made the decision to turn aside to make some adjustments, she had a life-changing experience with the God of Moses. When we encounter God, there is always a burning bush. My question for you is, will you keep your eyes and your heart open enough to see the burning bush that God has for you in this new year? When we encounter God, there's always a burning bush. Number two, when we encounter God, there is always fire. There's always fire. But before we talk about fire. Let's, let's, talk about how, let's talk about how God responded to Moses when Moses said, well, if I, if I go, if I go to the Israelites, they're going to ask me who is sending you. If God is sending you, what, what is his name? So what should I tell them? And God said, tell them I am is sending you. I am that I am. I am the uncreated one. I am the one that has always been and forever will be. I am is sending you. It's kind of interesting when you study the scripture both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see this, you see God revealing himself through fire. We see it, for example, when Moses is at Mount Sinai and he receives the Ten Commandments, God appears as fire. When he's leading the people through the wilderness, he appears in fire. Uh, the book of Hebrews tells us that God is the all-consuming fire. So this picture, this, this idea, this imagery of fire is a it's a picture of God. Now, let's think about that. Let's think about the fact that fire is dangerous. Fire is so dangerous that it can do so much damage. We, we say to our, our children, we say to our boys and girls, hey, hey, don't, don't play in the fire. Don't get too close to the fire. It will burn you. It will hurt you. It will harm you. It is dangerous. God is is dangerous. God is powerful. God is holy. We don't mess with God. But fire is beautiful. Fire is, is warm. Fire is, fire is inviting. I was reading this past week that one of the major, most popular purchases for the last several years at Christmas are fire pits or fireplaces. 
We live in South Alabama that we only have about three days of winter the whole year. Yet we all have fireplaces. We have an indoor fireplace. We have a fire pit. We have fireplaces outside. We all gather around the fire. We do that year round. No doubt some of you over the last couple of weeks having some time off gathered with friends and family around fire or a fire pit. Why? Because it's warm. It's inviting. It's beautiful. There's something about gathering around the fire. It's God. God is dangerous, powerful, but warm and inviting. Sometimes in our perception of God, our tendency is to go to one extreme or other. There are some of you who your perception of God is that God is always angry. God, God is always the, the, the angry side of fire. He's always just looking for the opportunity to just bring judgment. And then there are others who just believe that God is just always love, and forgiveness and kindness and that you and I can live any way we want to live because God is love. What you and I need to understand, and in fact, really why we maybe need an encounter with God is so that we can see God for who he truly is. He is both burning with holiness, but also burning with love and loving kindness. We need to have an accurate perception of God. And if I could just make this statement, and you may wanna write it down, but the, but the way for us to encounter God as he truly is, is to see him in Jesus. For you and I to really understand, to get an accurate picture of what is God really like, what we need is the encounter with Jesus. About 1,400 years after Exodus chapter 3, Jesus is on the scene. In John chapter 8, he is surrounded by a group of religious leaders, the Pharisees. He says to them in John chapter 8, verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews, the Pharisees, these religious leaders, they said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I, I am. Their response, so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. There's several times in the ministry of Jesus when he is revealing himself and he says what are referred to as the I am statements. It infuriates the religious leaders because they're asking him, who are you? Are you the Christ? Are you the son of God? Are you the anointed one? And Jesus at different times reveals to them by saying, you want to know who I am? I am that I am. He's God. If you want to know what God is like, get to know Jesus. Because Jesus is burning with holiness. Yet he's also burning with warmth and loving kindness. 
and inviting. Do you find it interesting also that when you become a believer, the Bible says he places his spirit inside of you. And all throughout the New Testament, what is the picture of the Holy Spirit? Fire. So that you can experience God with you. God in you. So when we desire and we want an encounter with God, a fresh encounter, there is always a burning bush. There is always fire. And I'm telling you, as you see it all throughout the scripture, you see it in the life of Abraham. You see it with uh, Isaiah. You see it with Ezekiel. You see it with Moses. You see it again and again and again, that when there is a true, fresh encounter with God, there is a call, a calling out. And I love, I love how God does this with Moses. He says to Moses in verse number eight, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good land, a broad land, land flowing with milk and honey. So he says to them, he says to Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. I see the difficulty. I see the trial. I, I, I hear their cries. And so I have come down to deliver them. Moses is like, fantastic. I wanted to do that 40 years ago, but I made some, I made some wrong decisions. But I'm, I'm so glad that you're going to do that. I am all for it. And let me just clap right now. Thank you, God, for doing this. Then God says in verse number 10, come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Good, good, I'm up. Me? God says, I have a plan. I'm going to deliver my people. Fantastic. Well, my plan includes you doing it. My, my plan includes you. I'm going to use you. We're going to see next week how Moses liked to use all of these excuses. But I'm telling you all throughout scripture, if you want a fresh encounter with God and you truly want him to move in your life so that you can be who you need to be and do what you need to do, there's a calling out. God has a plan and you are a part of that plan. You are a piece of that puzzle. He doesn't, um, he doesn't tell Moses all the details. As a matter of fact, listen carefully, he really doesn't need Moses. I'm telling you what God can do. God could have snapped his fingers and his angels could have delivered his people out of bondage, out of slavery, out of Egypt. He could have just spoke a word and it was done. 600 years after he made the promise to Abraham, he's going to deliver and he's inviting Moses to be a part of it. Now, here, let, me share, let me share this one last thing with you and we're done. He says, I need you to go to Egypt. Moses thinking to himself, well, I know Egypt. I spent the first 40 years of my life in Egypt. I, I, I know my way around Egypt. What Moses didn't know that a part of God's plan, because God knew what was going to happen, he was going to need Moses to lead his people through the wilderness, through the desert. Moses spent the last 40 years in the wilderness. 
He knew where all the watering holes were. He knew all the different kinds of snakes. He knew all the different paths to take. You see, Moses had been a shepherd, and he was about to lead a large flock of Israelites through the wilderness, through the desert. Look up here. God's been working. God's been preparing. And if you look, there's a burning bush. And the question is, will you see it? Will you make the necessary adjustment? Will you have the courage to step out and trust so that you can be a part of God's plan? Let's pray together. Your head is bowed, your eyes are closed. I wonder, I wonder if even right now, if you would pray something like, God, open my eyes to your burning bushes. God, open my eyes to where you are working. You are doing the unusual. You are, you are seeking to change my paradigm. God, help me to see where you're working in my life. Now next, it takes courage and it takes humility to turn aside, to cross over, to make the necessary adjustment so that you can encounter God. Would you pray for the courage and the obedience when you encounter the living God, the fire of God. Will you be obedient? Will you say, yes, Lord? No more excuses. I want what you have for me. I wanna be who you need me to be. No more excuses. I'm not sure your level of faith today, but would you step out? Would you move, would you move forward? I'm going to pray for us. Our pastors are going to come and they're going to be standing here in the front. They would love to pray with you. They would love to pray for you. The altar is open for you to come simply to kneel and pray. Maybe you need to take that battle. Maybe you need to take that, that which you was holding you hostage and you would lay it before him. Maybe there's some things that you need to toss aside so that you can have your head up, your eyes open, so you can see the burning bushes. And maybe this morning what you need to do is just simply lay out your yes. Yes, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Maybe that's your word for the new year. Here I am. Heavenly Father, in these next moments, I pray that across this room, what we witness are husbands and wives praying together, kneeling together, families 
maybe dads praying for their children. For these that have a certain level of faith, but, but they need an encounter with God. I pray that even in this place this morning, they have encountered you. And now they need to make the adjustment of opening their heart and their life and receiving by faith the gift of forgiveness and of salvation. I pray that in these next moments, whether people are watching online, in their homes, or here in this room, I pray that what you witness is courage, humility, and obedience. Yes, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.